Welcome to another episode of the Work Hard, Play Hard podcast. My name is Rob Murgatroyd, and each week on this podcast, I talk to some of the most fascinating people on the planet in all areas of life, from mindset to fitness to spirituality, and of course, business. Look, I believe you deserve success in all the areas of your life, not only business. But before we get into today's show, you may want to join us on our next Work Hard, Play Hard experience. This year, we're going to be going to Mykonos and Marrakesh. In these experiences, I have hand-selected a group of high-performing business people who are seeking more balance, connection, and they want to celebrate their wins as a reward for the hard work that they put in. If you want someone to curate once-in-a-lifetime experiences and force you to play more, rush over to workhardplayhardexperience.com. Fill out an application so we can jump on a discovery call to see if this is a good fit for you. And remember, excuses are over. It's time to live. You, know, you can think of your muscles kind of like dogs. So if you have a pack of dogs and then there's a runt, when every time you feed the dogs, all of the bigger ones will end up eating all the food and the runt will never be able to get fed. And so if you can be in that place of not always being so obsessed with changing and you know, you come to another direction and maybe come to a place of like, maybe there could be opportunity to come into acceptance. It's very important to have trust in oneself. And if you, if I, if we, with regularity, break that trust, then you, I, we, start to distrust anything that we say. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Work Hard, Play Hard show. Today on the show is Aaron Alexander. Aaron is a biohacking, fitness, endurance, strength, diet, flexibility, lifestyle, and sex expert. Okay, the guy wears a lot of hats, but I promise you he's legit in every area that I just mentioned. So without further ado, please enjoy this wide ranging conversation with Aaron Alexander. Aaron, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. I've been looking forward to, to conversating with you. Here we are. I am so excited to do this. I think I, I think a good place. I was doing some thinking on this. Of you know, you have sort of a. There's a lot of roads that I can go down with you, and I think probably the first one that I'd like to talk about is you know I think a lot of people look to you as sort of the go-to guy when it comes to living a life of health, a life of movements, and you know generally feeling good in your body. But that was not where you started. Could you perhaps set the scene for us of how maybe take us back to sort of that bodybuilding uh, stage of your life? Like what was what what were you going after at that stage and sort of like how did it evolve to what's what's going on now in your life? So I just wanted vanity. I didn't really care so much about like performance or health. I, I was playing ice hockey growing up, so I, I cared about that, but I could I could observe myself almost on like a weekly basis, digressing with my skills as an athlete as a product of really just, just isolating each individual 
body part, you know, and focusing on more of like a bodybuilding approach. And it was all back at back and buys, chest and tries. Yeah, man. And it was, and for me, <laughs> and for me, the big emphasis was, was, and there's, there's the metaphors run deep on this, but the big emphasis on, on was focusing on what people could, could see, you know, so if I didn't visibly see it in the mirror, I wasn't interested in addressing it. And as you know, I think with relationships or with business or with, you know, your physical health or, you know, I think any category, I think this always relates. It's the parts focusing on the parts that people don't overtly see. That's what creates the foundation for the parts that people see to naturally start to show up. And so I was just, I just wanted, you know, the, the, the beach muscles. So biceps, triceps, pecs, abs, you know, and everything else is like, eh. and then I could slowly again, observe that the, the, the decrease in athleticism and then also the increase in tension in my body and then also eventually injuries. So I ended up having a bunch of big shoulder injuries and ankle injuries. And, um, you know, then it's been an ongoing process of putting the parts back together, which is what, you know, the Align Method is about and what my podcast is about and programs and, and all of that. It's, it's been a journey of, of putting pieces back together, essentially. Yeah, but it's it's this weird thing, right? Because like you know, you're you're over there in Venice Beach, which is sort of quite literally the mecca of of uh, what we're talking about here, right? And you look down the beach, and you know, you see these guys that look great, and we'll 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 take out of it steroids, you know, because that's a whole other that's a whole other weird thing. But you know, when I when I think about you know, sort of like this this Arnold Schwarzenegger Venice Beach, you know, um, archetype. And then you sort of like look at Arnold at periods of his life and like, you go like, what, like, what the fuck happened? Like, it's just this, it's a mess. And then you see him, he like comes back and he goes back to the gym and he looks incredible again. But there's not a lot of movement in there. There's not a lot of flexibility in there. It doesn't look like health. Like what, like you mentioned you're working on the vanity muscles on the, on the ones that are dominant. But like, what is your methodology behind? Like, how do you know which ones to go after and not just do the biceps and triceps? Like, where's the, where, where how do you find the weird ones that are actually going to be creating the, the core and the stability of what we're trying to, you know, accomplish here? Yeah. Well, so, so two things. Well, there's actually like several different nodes that could come off there. The first thing that, that comes up is I don't have any beef with, with bodybuilding. I think bodybuilding is fantastic. And there's value to being very site specific and isolating parts of the body that might be, you know, you think of your muscles kind of like dogs. So if you have a pack of dogs and then there's a runt, when every time you feed the dogs, all of the bigger ones will end up eating all the food and the runt will never be able to get fed. Mm. And so there's a, a time and place in the body where there may be small, seemingly insignificant stabilizing muscles that just aren't activating or the sequence when you're squatting, you're mostly quad dominant or any of like the terms that the trainer might mention. And so in those cases, it actually can be immensely valuable to isolate a specific muscle because it's over just mispatterning of movement over the years, it's become a runt and now it needs to catch up. And so you might need some site specific work. The other thing, and that's, and we can get into how we figured that out as well. Um, that's a way bigger conversation, but the other thing is in relation to not having any beef on any specific movement dogma or, or, you know, fitness or nutritional dogma or anything of the sort, it's not, about what you're doing. It's why you're doing it. And so if you're into bodybuilding, that's so cool. If you're into the, the craft of, of sculpting your body, like, you know, like Michelangelo, you know, it's like, that's cool, man. I, I love that. And, and, and bodybuilders, they're, they're 
very intelligent. You know, no one understands the, the chemistry and the nuts and bolts of how to manipulate and change the human physiology better than high-level bodybuilders. So like hats off to them to be able to do that. But ultimately, my question for myself and you and anybody is, you know, like, why are you doing What's the root of why you're doing this? Are you doing this because it creates more joy in your life? Or are you doing this because there's this insatiable void that you're trying to fill and you're seeking validation through physicality or wealth or influence or anything, you know? So that's, it's kind of like a big meta overarching. Yeah, no, 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 I, I, I get it. I mean, like, you know, there's, there, there, are, there are times, frankly, where I think I've personally fallen to all of those categories, right? Course, I mean, I, I, have been the, I have been the douchey looking guy at the beach. You know, I know what that, I know what that feels, I know why I did it. I know what it feels like, you know, that sort of I, like. I, I still am that guy, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you're just doing it. You're, you're doing it leaner. You're doing it leaner. You know what I mean? So I think that makes you less douchey if you're leaner. You know, I was, I was more like, you know, uh, the imaginary latch syndrome guy. You know what I'm talking about? That's sort of like, you know, that guy. Um, Okay. You touched on a few things that I want to, I want to dig into a little bit. So how old are you uh, now? 33 years old. You're 33. Crucifixion of Christ year. The (laughs) crucifixion. That's some shit to put in your head, right? 33 years old. Okay. So um, (laughs) this year I am uh, 55, right? So, you know, this is the year for me. And the reason why I'm bringing this up personally is because I know that there are people listening to this that are going to be going through the same shit. This is the year personally where I'm starting to notice that all of the mistakes that I've made, and I'll put mistakes in quotes, but all of that, you know, repetitive back and by and chest and tries and doing the same version of roughly the same workout for, you know, since high school and into my late forties, um, I'm starting to, you know, see the effects of, you know, breakdowns in different areas. I'm starting to get like, you know, weird things like like, uh, piriformis syndrome, which I never had before, you know? So that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this, this uh, interview with you is because now I'm starting to look at Things like mobility and myofascial release and things that are just not pumping a bunch of, you know, weights around. Um, so I want to, uh, I want to sort of talk about this section um, and maybe we can discuss it as a, you know, reverse aging, anti-aging or aging in general sort of conversation. But for me, as I look through your book and I've uh, purchased your course, which by the way, is very well produced and it's excellent. It's done in very digestible, small chunks, which I love because I could just do like a 15 minute thing today. And I love that. Right, right, um, and, and you're welcome and teach me. But for the, for the guy that or girl that is starting to notice that perhaps they did not train as efficiently and as effectively as they should have through those years. And they're starting to get some pain. They're starting to get pain in weird places. And they want to begin to just train in a way that is more in harmony with their body. Where do they begin? Start looking at your environment. So with with training, first of all, it's like, are you going 
two steps forward and then three steps back every day. So what's the shape of your car seat? What's the shape of your workstation? What's the shape of your travel? What's the shape of your, your home when you're just hanging out, when you're eating breakfast, dinner? Um, what kind of activities do you do with your spouse or your friends? You know, what's your, what's, how does your friend group shape you? You know, so that is what I've become really interested in over the years of, you know, so I started doing, I started training clients when I was 16. So getting mm. people like each in their fitness goals. And then I ended up going to the Rolf Institute and massage school when I was like 20 was when I started getting into to body work. And, uh, you know, so I've been working with clients for whatever that is, the last 17 years, I think mm-hmm. 16, 17 years or so. And yeah. the, the big thing that I've seen with clients is we can make these amazing gains through manual therapy, myofascial release, you know, retuning some exercises, and then they come back and they have the same issues in five days a week, 10 days. And so the reason that I wrote the Align Method, the reason that I do the programs and all the things is to really re-educate people on how they can make it so that just their mere existence ends up being conducive to their longevity and their health. And so that would be the first thing that I would look at is, you know, what's the shape of your home environment? So are you sitting in a chair all, you know, 90% of your day that could be exacerbating, in your case, a tight piriformis, among much other things, that's now creating an impingement on your sciatic nerve. And now you have this electricity running down your leg and you're saying, what's the perfect external rotation exercise? And how do I lengthen my QL? And how do I, you know, or you say, what is the root of why that piriformis syndrome manifests in the first place? You know, so that's where my mind always is, is what's the foundation of these issues. And then from there, the foundation of the, and we can get into specific things that we can do. And then from there, uh, we can be a little bit more like like work triage and say, okay, cool, piriformis stuff. I'm going to get in there with a ball. I'm going to get in with her an elbow. We're going to do some active release. We're going to do some contract relax. We're going to create the space to get the body running. And now let's never allow that to happen again. And if it does happen, you know, we have the tools in order to or, or to be able to reverse it. You know, so a, a, a major starting point, which might sound like absolute insanity for some people is just to spend a little bit more time on the ground each day. Mm. And I'm, I'm talking to you. Yeah. So if you have piriformis syndrome, you need to mobilize your hips and you need to mobilize your low back. You need to get your, you know, your legs up over your head would be a great thing. Opening up that posterior chain. How would you, what's the, the most easiest way to do well, any of that when you're eating breakfast or maybe doing an interview, like right now I'm standing. And so I'm going back and forth into like a little, like one footed, Tadasana type type business here as we're as we're doing it. You know, so throughout the day, every moment can be an opportunity if you just make real subtle little shifts. So I would recommend in the Align Method book, I recommend 30 minutes a day total sitting on the mm-hmm. ground, which that's, you know, if you do a yoga class, you're gonna be sitting on the ground for 75 minutes. Now, when you, I'm sorry to interrupt, when you say no, no. sitting on the ground, do you mean quite literally Indian style, just get on the floor? Yeah, any position. So in 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 the book slash, I mean, just hang out with a kid. Like if you yeah. hang out with with a kid, I, I got one. I got, a, pre- I got I got a six year old. So there, there we go. Yeah. So pre five, you know, preschool. Now with you know all the stuff that happened with COVID, yeah. you know, maybe that that'll extend a little bit longer. What's yeah. the positions that their hips naturally do throughout the day? She's a, uh, Indian style. It's not complicated. And mm-hmm. so she, she's, she's like bootstrapped. She's one-to-one connection to her own internal biology. 
You know, so she has her cells are communicating saying, okay, we need to immediately rotate the femur a little bit. Okay. We need a little bit more mobility in the toe hinge and a little more dorsiflexion. Obviously she doesn't give a shit about any of those terms, but her cells are communicating saying, that's what you need. Oh, you need to play now. Oh, you need to cry now. Oh, you need to look out a window now. You know, you, mm-hmm. like those all, each one of those mechanisms, they're literally, they're built in tuning systems for your physiology to heal. When you isolate you and you pull those away, now you have backup and now you have issues. And then backup begets more backup begets more backup. You know, so a, a really simple thing just to stay granular with like one tip would yep. be um, if you are on a chair, make sure that your hips are up above the height of your knees. Uh, so you don't have to be a complete heretic and be in an office and be like, okay, like, you know, this Venice guy said I got to be on the ground. So I'm going to sit on the desk. Um, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to be on the, on a chair, just make sure your hips are up above the, the height of your knees. What that does is it allows you to sit on the very just front edge of those sit bones. You can reach down, grab your butt cheeks now and find those sit bones, uh, the mm-hmm. ischial tuberosities yep. and on just the front edge of those guys. It stabilizes your low back and your sacrum so that you have a strong foundation for the rest of your spine to sit on. If you have a strong foundation for the rest of your spine to sit on, then your central nerve nervous system, i.e. your spine, brain, eyeballs, which that's an interesting conversation as well. Your eyes are a continuation of, of your central nervous system. I know. It's, it's very Huberman, right? Very, Yeah, Huberman's a buddy. He actually revised my whole visual chapter in my book, thankfully. He's insane. He's, he came out he's of- He's brilliant, man. Came out I of freaking nowhere, nowhere <laughs> and now, now he's a verb. I You're mean, right. it's just incredible. That's a good point. Yeah, I got a lot of respect for Andrew for that. Uh, so I'll shut up. I realized that I'm. I had. I had two cups of coffee. So I'm. I'm. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm, the, I'm yelling at you. You're in that. You're in that. You're. You're in okay. that per, per, perfectly caffeinated uh, place. I'm. I'm with you. I'm right. I'm, I'm just. I'm on the. I'm on the. I'm on the tail end of it. But then right, I, right, I'm taking. I'm right. taking the energy. The final thing. <laughs> so. So the reason- and if you don't do this, it's your fault. That's right. <laughs> I grew up Catholic, man. You need to repent, Rob. <laughs> I hope you heard me. <laughs> All right, hold on, hold on. So, why this relates for people that don't give a dang about having supple hips or whatever? Like, yeah. I don't care. I'm fine. Um, yeah. You might care about making more money. You might care about being able to uh, engage with a, a a partner that's maybe above your typical standard because most of your life, the way that you navigated your world was more of in a place of maybe a hunched over kind of protected spine, like a hyperkyphosis. Mm. Maybe you navigate the world with a lot of medial rotation in the shoulders, which is an indication of hiding or defense or losing. Uh, maybe you have your forward head posture and all these positions that essentially denote you know, collapse, which denotes how does someone lose a race? If you get to the end of a race... And you won, whether you have you're mentally disabled, whether you're deaf, blind, whatever race, sex, you all win the same. You win in this position that essentially I'm describing now. You know, so the shoulders come back, you open up, you expose the vital organs as opposed to protecting the vital organs, like most of us are doing all day long when we're staring at our phones, staring at our computers. And so if you were to examine the position, just go through a, a, a physical audit of your daily movement experience, 90% of the time, you're sitting in a position that essentially you would you would lose a race from that position. Like how often throughout the day are your arms up over your head? 
How often throughout the day are your shoulders rolled back? How often through the day are you actually in that archetypal position of like, man, like I'm winning at this life game. And so if you can start to integrate just a few simple practices into your daily existence that start to open up the spaciousness for those joints to kind of be like their winning set point. When you go into the grocery store or to the yoga class or to the gym or the mall or wherever you might meet this spouse of your dreams, you're already rolling in that winning momentum from a physical perspective, which is the way that we communicate. So that's a big deal. You know, so that's, that gets into, again, it's the parts that people don't see that finally, eventually when you show up and you're seen, it's like, oh my God, I've, you've clearly been investing in your back end. And so what I'm suggesting is in investing in your, your movement back end by starting to, uh, you know, come in to integrate a few basic principles to improve your, your daily you know, it's so life. interesting. I hadn't thought about the physiology part of this, the emotional physiology parts. For, for example, you know, uh, we, we can pick on women for a minute. You know, sometimes with women who are, let's say, uh, uh, chestier than, yeah. uh, than the average bear, they yeah. will uh, withdraw and they'll pull that in because they don't want to be, you know, uh, pushed out that way. Sometimes when, um, you know, not gender specific, but just people are feeling down or defeated or insecure or protective or, or not even thinking, you're right. They're going to they're gonna hunch down and there's going to be a price that will be paid for doing that for an extended period of time. So just change the damn position and sit Indian style on the floor, something like that. So Indian style on the floor, might, people might be thinking, oh, there's a disconnect. I thought we were saying like hero pose, strong, confident shoulders. In order for your upper body to be able to relax and feel balanced or centrated would be an, you know, a, a fancy term for just neutral, like you feel yep. stacked, well-oriented, everything below needs to be that. And so if you have stiffness in, say, your toe, you stubbed your toe, now your toe's stiff. Now, when you walk, you say, oh, it's just a toe. It's like, no, no, no. That's the foundation of that kinetic chain that will now you will be stopped to the degree of that, of that, that's that, that gap through the rest of the system. So now when I take a walk, I say, oh, oh, I can't bend that toe. Okay. Now I don't, now I don't get dorsiflexion at my ankle. Okay. Now I don't extend my hip all the way back. Now, all of a sudden, because of that, maybe I start getting a little, a side bend in my pelvis. Maybe now I got this QL thing. Now I got, maybe I got a little scoliosis to balance out that lack of mobility. Now I've, because of that, that initial toe, now all of a sudden, maybe my personality changes a little bit. Now maybe I'm a little bit more aggravated because I always have this friction and pain and tension in my body. Now maybe I've been hiding. I've got this twist pattern happening. And the way that I communicate, almost like my body's kind of twisting away from people. Now that starts to whoo, spill into you know the way I show up again in all aspects of my world. And it's, I mean, this is like, I'm kind of painting like a, like a, a story that there's going to be a lot of other variables within that, but it's just a fascinating thing to step back and see the, you know, the, the butterfly effect of having something, just a limitation in one of the joints in your body. Yeah, so, it's quite, it's quite inter interconnected. Oh man. <laughs> Tell yeah, me. It really is. You, you, did a, you did a really good job of explaining that. That's, that's really, really interesting. Okay. 
one of the one of the main reasons why I I personally bought your book, and I and I always try and do this show from my perspective because I know that my perspective is going to represent lots of people with lots of similar questions, uh, particularly. Uh, you know, that listened to the show. And, you know, I moved from, uh, I was in Atlanta for, uh, for 25 years and I moved here recently. And when I came here, one of the reasons why I came to California was I wanted to learn how to surf. Never surfed in my life. And um, I just started this year and I figured how hard could it be? <laughs> well, well, four months later, um, I am still battling, you know, sort of like that ability to go, you know, from lying on my belly to popping up. And I've realized that I've done zero training at all in any kind of mobility stuff. So your book has been quite helpful in mobilizing my hips. Like I could not even lift my damn leg before. And now I can, you know, do a front kick and I can, I could put my ear, I could put my, my ankle uh, next to my ear uh, with a front kick. So that, that has helped uh, a tremendous, a tremendous amount. Um, okay. I wanted to bounce around a little bit into a few different areas. We'll wrap up the anti-aging stuff. Really one area that I don't know is in your wheelhouse, but I'm going to, I'm going to take a stab and throw it out. Have you researched or done anything in the, uh, in the area of, uh, nutraceuticals, um, like, uh, or, uh, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? What's testosterone? It's a, it's a hormone, but it's, uh, it falls into the, uh, Oh, it's, I'm blanking. But anyway, things like testosterone to help you um, as you age. Have you looked into any of that stuff? Yeah. And I, I mean, I wouldn't deem myself expert in this category. Uh, so I have a lot of friends that have, have invested a lot of time and energy into it. I think peptides. Peptides. Yeah. Pept I mean, I, I've, uh, once again, I don't inject anything. I don't, you know, most of, for me personally, if I don't get something from food, then yep. I'm not overly impressed. I'm not overly sold just because it's like your body's running on millennia of evolution, depending upon your belief system, at least yep. 6,000 years of your creations. Right. You know, right. it's, it's, and, and so in that time frame, I personally, and I double, triple down on the things that your body is recognized for, for that millennia. Yeah. So most things that I, I do uh, are, are outside of, outside of like, you know, injecting stuff into my bloodstream or anything of the sort, but I get IVs and I've heard great things from peptides, but I would, I would pass on the question because I don't deem myself expert not, enough or have enough depth on it. Okay, cool. Um, this one you may know more about, and I don't know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not judging here. I'm just asking, you'll understand why I'm raising my eyebrows. Yeah. Things like ayahuasca, Mm -hmm. Things like those sorts of things. Do you, do, do you dabble in that world? Do you recommend that world? Is it a good idea? I've done ayahuasca four times. Um, okay. Then you're the guy. No, 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 no. I'm not no. the guy. No, no, no. You're not the guy. <laughs> no, 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 no. Four, four times doesn't make you the guy? No, four times is like a retreat. You know, okay. so, so when, when you go to a retreat, you'll do it, you know, three to four times. So I've done two retreats and I did two on each of them. Okay. Uh, and so... Uh, no, I don't recommend it. I, I think you don't, but I don't not recommend it. It's one of those. It's one of those things that it's. It's like, I mean, it's like nuclear fusion. You know, it's like the most when you tap in to the the potential impact of a little mushroom, you know, or or this little thing of tea. Like, it's a. It's unless you've had the experience, it's really hard to to, to put into words and express, and it's going to be so different for every person. Uh huh. 
I think the value could be if you're so wrapped up, ultimately we're just running stories. And so if your story works for you, whether it's Christian, whether you're Mormon, whether you're atheist, Republican, Republican, whatever your human suit is, if you feel comfortable in there and it's working, have at it. If you want to go deeper, you can begin to have the conversation of acknowledging that this is a suit, you know, and this identity and this name, it, it forms you it, it forms the way that you live. You yeah. know, so it's like, like the Stanford prison experiments is an interesting example, which I feel like you probably have heard of already. I have, and there's yeah. been contention around the way that it was conducted, just like most, most yep. of the big studies. But within that, you know, when people put on different clothes, it changes their personality. You know, so, so in that experiment, there's contention around this, blah, blah, blah. But the, the interesting idea, the reason it became so popular is- because- I put that dress on one time. One yeah, time right, I wore right, those heels. Right. Dude, I put, I, I, put, I put a dress on before it changed, man. When I grew up, I just put my mom's makeup on. My parents were worried. You know? How about uh, TM? Have you done TM? Uh, transcendental no, I meditation. Transcendental, I haven't done transcendental meditation. I've done, I've done, you know, a vipassana, which is an interesting thing. It's like a ten day, ten day silence set. Uh, okay. You know, I have a regular meditation practice, but it's, you know, it's sometimes I miss it. I'm, I'm, I'm certainly very human on that. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I by no means am like transcendent guru meditator. Right. I'm definitely fallible in that realm. All right, then I'm going to ask you a couple of things that you do know more about, and that was your time in Maui in college. It's a, it's an mm-hmm. interesting place. You mentioned earlier that you went to college in Maui. Yep. I don't know anybody who's been to, to college in Maui. That's an interesting place. Why Maui, and what was that experience like for you? So I was going to go to physical therapy school in West Virginia University. My plan was to you know be the coolest guy ever and own the frat and probably do lots of lots of drugs and yep. beer bongs and just like, I wanted to be cool. That was a part yep. of like my bodybuilding realm. I wanted, I wanted to be jacked. I wanted to be cool. I wanted yep. to be loved, loved essentially. Yeah. Um, and then thankfully I got in trouble. So I ended up going to West Virginia. We ended up having this like, whatever the, the introduction thing to the school, you meet everybody, you see your class, all that stuff. I threw a party at my dorm that night before I even started school. There was police, there was, you know, issues. I had to like go visit the dean or whatever. And so I just pulled out. And so I think that was, you know, the universe or whatever. It was a sign from somebody saying like, maybe don't do this. Yeah. Yeah. And so I ended up, I ended up deciding to go to like the furthest point I could find on the map in Hawaii and started washing dishes and then started prep cooking and was doing personal training on the side and uh, learned to surf, got into jujitsu, you know, got a motorcycle and rode around, you know, got started to get in relation to stuff we were talking about previously, your environment, it changes you, you know, it informs your personality, you know, and so being going from Pennsylvania and trying to be a cool guy and then to Hawaii, just, you know, being a minority, you know, and washing dishes and just trying to get by and then spending so much time in the ocean, all that stuff, it really informs the way that you, you think. Mm-hmm. So I'm immensely grateful for that experience. And then going to college, I studied psychology out there was the, was the, uh, the, the school part. And so the combination, it was like a perfect storm of, you know, just observing self and uh, sure. also having, having the books and the teachers and all that. And uh, yeah, just being in a great environment to kind of open up 
new perspectives, I think. I'm immensely grateful for it. Okay. So you were a PA guy, right? Born and raised there? Represent. Yeah. All right. So Lancaster? Lancaster. Yeah. Lancaster. Okay. So PA guy went from PA to Maui, connect with the ocean, the sand surfing, right? And then you're in Venice and so no, then, the then Boulder, Boulder, Colorado. So that was, ah. that, that was like hero's journey, trying to prove myself that I'm a man scaring myself on lots of mountains and just every day pushing mountains. That was the thing. And now when I go back to Colorado, I see the mountains and I see, you know, what it is or what it was for me. And that was kind of like my, my rite of passage kind of hero's journey type experience. So I moved to Colorado, then moved to Oregon and then, uh, back down to LA. All right. So you're in LA now. Yeah. We share friends. We're probably here for similar reasons. We love the sun, the, the weather, the, the, the sand and the ocean, right? Yeah. Surfing, et cetera. But we also have a whole collective of friends right now that we both share that are part of this mass exodus out of California. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it just seems like they're all moving to Austin, right? It's Austin, it's, uh, Scotts, it's, it's Arizona, Scottsdale. And uh, what, what's the other big one? There's another big one, uh, Austin. And uh, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking of another one. Do you feel personally, there's a lot, there's a lot of changes that are happening because of COVID. Like people are leaving New York in droves, they're leaving California in droves for a multitude of reasons. A lot of it was prompted during this whole riot, COVID, this whole thing, right? But you're still here. Are you kind of. thinking, well, that's my next question. Are yeah. you now thinking that, and the reason why I'm asking this question for you personally is there are a lot of people that are saying, hey, look, I'd love to be living in Venice. I'd love to be in the sunshine. Well, guess what? A lot of people in Venice are leaving. Yeah. What's your take on this exodus? And and are you considering personally leaving? I think Venice, Santa Monica, LA is always going to have a pool. So things can change. It's just going to create opportunities for people to come in and occupy that space. And I, I personally think that LA is a better place to live now than it's ever been because it's it's less occupied. So I I don't I'm not a fan of traffic. I don't drive that much except for if I need to go outside of like West LA. Yep. Um, you know. So I personally feel like it's been quite fine. You know. And and I I, I think that that just like anything, it could use you know enough pressure builds up in a system eventually you need decompression so i think the exodus is kind of just a decompression and i think mm. that the, 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 the weight and the pool of venice santa monica is not going away you know so I, for my my sensation the only thing that could could actually make a, a proper dent on the amount of momentum and like the the, the 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 orbit and the gravity of a place like this would be a natural disaster you know, not being a pandemic, it would have to be like a, like a major earthquake where, you know, Venice, Santa Monica fell off the side of the continent. That'd be like, Ooh, okay. <laughs> this yeah. might, this might not come back. <laughs> right. And that's yeah. possible. Um, but I don't per- personally, um, yeah, I think it's, I don't think it's going anywhere. And then, uh, myself, I was already setting up to be flexible over the winter anyway. And so I'm, I am thinking about spending more time in Austin and, um, and traveling in general, but I, I'm still have a, have a, a good foot in LA. I'm not, I'm not leaving permanently. What is the attraction? Because I personally don't see it. No judgment. People, I don't, people is the attraction to Austin. That's it. 
That's it. There's no okay. other, there's no, I mean, it's the, I mean, the waters are beautiful. They've got like turquoise, whatever. To me, it feels more like home, like Pennsylvania. Um, mm-hmm. the, the temperament of people and the intention of people is different. LA has more of a shark type vibe. Like people are here to hunt, you know, and if, if we're hanging out, like what's the pretense of this, you know, like what is like, like, yes, we're hanging out, but I'm trying to make some money on the back end of this hanging out. You know, and so LA, there's 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 much more, you know, going up the social hierarchy. You yeah, know, the, the joke is if you're, if you're from San Francisco, people to LA people is if you're from San Francisco and you or the way that you know it's an LA person if you're out to lunch is when you're sitting having a conversation, they're always kind of looking at your shoulder to see if someone cooler is coming in the room. Let me tell you, that is exactly what happens. <laughs> it's freaky. It's, it's crazy, sh- like man. you could literally watch an entire fucking restaurant turn when somebody walks in the room it's like it's like they're, yeah. they're waiting is it tom cruise is this is this yeah. going to be the agent that's going to but i don't uh the good news is i'm in hermosa manhattan beach area and Probably that matter, stuff yeah. that stuff doesn't exist doesn't here exist. thank god but i know yeah. exactly where you are okay so i want to talk to you a little bit about something i know you know a lot about but i know zero about what is rolfing and why did you decide to be a rolfer? Rolfing is a terribly branded name. It's the last name of Ida P. Rolf. And so she was this, this uh, angry German lady in New York that <laughs> okay. wanted, to, wanted to heal her son who had some physical issues. And so she got deeply steeped into osteopathy and things of the sort. So uh, essentially what it is, is if you've ever worked with a trainer, been in a yoga class, and they mentioned fascia, rolfing yeah. is instructional integration. They're kind of like probably the primary pioneers in the, the conversation around fascia and connective tissue. And so the focus from rolfing or structural integration is the umbrella term for it. Originally, Ida called it structural integration. And then as she started to get old and she was about to die, they would say, oh, you, you're getting rolfed. And so it wasn't her idea to call it rolfing. Terrible name. If you don't know what the hell it is, it's like rolling on the floor laughing and some kind of like right, reg- right, regurgitory right, right. ayahuasca thing. Like I right. hate the sound of it. Uh, but the focus of it is, uh, you know, like a chiropractor be thinking more like working on moving bones, a raw for structural integrators focusing more on, on, uh, hydrating your connective tissue. So places throughout your body or your fascia places throughout your body, if they don't move, if they get impinged, stuck, twisted, turned, bound up, then new fluid can't permeate that area. An area that that is bound up in that way, that gets dry, like beef jerky type tissue, again, dryness begets more dryness. Like the rich get richer and the poor get poor. Mm-hmm. Your dry tissue gets drier and your moist tissue, tissue gets, gets moister and healthier. And so her focus was on this connective tissue. And the big thing was, was uh, reorienting the relationship of the whole body. So instead of thinking just like, oh, I'm going to get a full body Swedish massage, it's thinking what's the orientation of the foot to the knee, to the pelvis, to the spine, to the head, and how can we make some subtle changes in the in the, the function of the body so that when you get up off of the table, just you walking, breathing, and living your life, it actually makes you better. That's the that's the big goal that you know of, of my work and rolfing and all that is how can we just shift the dominoes just enough so that just the way that you live, like you, you are a renewable energy source. You know, so when you walk, when you breathe, when you, you know, when you work, when you're at your home, 
we've kind of just made a, 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 enough tweaks so that just you being it enhances your longevity and energy and strength and flexibility. And that was kind of the, you know, that was influenced very much by structural integration or rolfing. So when I think about things like fascia, my brain goes to myofascial relief release, release which yeah. is, uh, which is, you know, basically putting a, you know, like a lacrosse ball on a, a pinpoint tenderness area for people that don't know what it is. That's an oversimplification, but just to give, get you in the right uh, ballpark. I feel like I could do that for every area in my body, 24 hours a day, and it would never not be painful. So I always get confused about that because if I do like a lacrosse ball across my chest, if I do it every day for a year, like it's always, it's always painful. Maybe it gets a little less. And if I do it on my IT bands, how often should we be doing myofascial release and does it ever go away or is it just something that, you know, I'm not doing right? Yeah, well, you probably use a softer ball. And if you if you are a person that is like the, the concept of no pain, no gain is it's not always bullshit, but working with the body, very high percentage of time, it's it doesn't make sense because you want the body to be able to feel safe and be able to relax into the pressure. And so this is for people that don't give a darn so much about like body work or myofascial release or putting, you know, a, a lacrosse ball into their into their spine. This is the same with a conversation. So if you're having a conversation with somebody, it's your nervous system is conversating or connecting or relating to my nervous system. If I'm too overwhelming with information and my ideation and opinions and you go, whoa, 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 there's too much, too much. Because the reason that you have the ideas that you have is because they've allowed you to survive to the point that you're, you're here and you're still alive. So you inherently are going to trust your ideas. So for me to come in too hot and heavy to the point that I'm like, I'm like, you know, just too demanding or too hard or too, you know, any of that, then you'll shrink back. And so when you're working with yourself, it's very valuable that you're right at the edge of sensation, but not to the beyond to the point of contraction. And this is a really powerful overarching rule that you can relate to anytime you're working with yourself from a, a physical, mental, or emotional perspective, because it's all the same nervous system. You know, how you do anything is how you do everything. Like it's everything, it's, it's all connected. You know, this is like Venice talk, but it's, it's actually quite true. No, I get it. Yeah. I get it. In in fact, I think that that's the that's the problem. I'm I am, you know, I how you do everything is how you, like I'm going after it the way I would go after any goal. I'm trying to yeah. wrestle it to the grounds, and my body is pushing back. On I'm gonna I'm gonna trigger that stress reflex. Yep. I'm I'm not gonna release it, and yep. I'm gonna I'm gonna tighten it up, and and it's gonna actually make it worse. Yes. So, so yeah, you've that was two, helpful. Yeah, you see, you've, you've two energies that are rah, pushing against each other, and this gets into the present political situation. This gets into like the, the level of otherness that we have culturally is more than I have ever seen it in my short lifetime. I don't know if it's more than it, you've ever seen it. Oh, it's, you, you have, you have, this, have, this year in fifty-five years, I've never seen a year like this year. Yeah, that's what I. That's what I. That's what I hear, and you know, and, and so. What a great opportunity to start with your, your relationship to your body and watch that trickle out to your relationship to your neighbor or to your politician or to your, you know, anyone. And so if you can be in that place of not always being so obsessed with changing and, you know, you can come to another direction and maybe come to a place of like, instead of all, how you do anything, how you do everything, always being like attack change mode, 
maybe there could be opportunity to come into acceptance. You know, maybe there could be opportunity to come into like, you know what? <sighs> it's okay. I don't need to change. This is good. This is good. I see why you, you, you get paid the big bucks, why you have the... <laughs> <laughs> why, you, why you have the reputation you do. This is all really good. Really yeah. good. I, I, got, I got words here. I got decompression, shark vibe, <laughs> acceptance. I like this. This is good. All right. So as we wrap up, I want to ask you, I'm going to take you on a little ayahuasca journey. Yeah, and ask you weird, weird questions. Um, so don't, don't shoot the messenger. What's on your nightstands? Oh, yeah. Uh, I went through, you had some like, you, you, uh -huh. you I gave you some prompts. You, you set me up on the questions. Yeah. I intentionally did not look at them because Good. my preference is to not, Good. I don't like having prefabricated stuff. Good. Perfect. Um, nightstands. You got some lube. Okay. Uh, Good. Good for you. <laughs> Good for you. Okay. Good for got, you. Got some. You, uh, hopefully, hopefully you got it. Hopefully you got a camera. <laughs> <laughs> no camera. Okay. Yeah. I'm just. Gonna, you know what? I'm just going to leave it right there. That, that, we'll yeah, no, it's good. It's perfect. Perfect. By the way, by the way, if this interview goes to shit, I got everything I came for. Perfect. Um, what do people often get wrong about you? I think I could probably be placed in a category of being very like Venice New Age hippie guy, but I I care a lot about getting shit done and organization. And I think about my finances way more than I'd like to. And uh, I'm very in this world, like very in the material world. And I'm also continually navigating my relationship and working on, you know, not being excessively attached to anything. Sure. But I think that if you're actually inside my mind, I'm much more materialistic and, you know, LA, you know, like right yep. here in the world and from the outside, I would be perceived to be. What's one thing that you do that's hard as shit, but it's totally worth it. This is not easy, but, it, but it's worth it. Uh, the more like meta answer would be emotional vulnerability and just being yeah, vulnerable with another person, specifically a, a woman and being opening myself up to rejection. Uh, I think that would probably be the, the hardest thing. And then there's other things that I do. Like, you know, I do physically hard things every day. That's yeah. like a bit, it's a big check-in point for me is, is again, how you do anything is how you do everything. So when you're at that point and, you know, you're doing farmer carries or sled pushes or, you know, you're spending 12 minutes in a freaking 35 degree body of water where you get out and your nervous system's completely fried and you're like, okay, I'm not going to do that again. Those are all opportunities to be able to witness yourself and examine uh, where you think your energy levels are and then where they actually are. You know, and so we have so much more potential than what we give ourselves credit for. So few people ever actually tap into the depth of their of their wells, you know, and they're just at this superficial layer and they just ride that. You know, and so having those physically demanding opportunities for me are, are, are just, they're very tangible and real and now ways for me to kind of be able to like dig that well a bit deeper. And then I think that the big, big work for, especially for probably men, because physical stuff comes more easy for men, would be that emotional stuff and you yeah. know, being, being opening yourself to, you know, put yourself on the cutting board and say, here, here are my parts, you know, yeah. dismember me if you choose. W warts and all. Um, what's one, what's one rule that you have for yourself that you're never going to break? 
Like I have this rule in place. And I'm, I'm, I'm just, it's, I'm not breaking it. I think just being honest with myself, you know, I think that's, that's the big thing you, you, I, we, but you know, I guess I can speak for myself. It's very important to have trust in your, in oneself. And if you, if I, if we, with regularity break that trust, then you, I, we start to distrust anything that we say. And so starting from that, you know, everything starts from the source. You are the source, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so starting with that relationship with yourself of, of really true, like if I say a thing, I'm going to fucking do it, Yep. you know, and, and being very intentional with my words and the things that I put out there and being more immaculate with my word, you know, and that's a work in progress for me. But I think that that's the thing that comes to mind. It's great. It's very, um, four agreements. Mm, yeah, sure. That's the, that's the fourth agreement. Be impeccable with your word. I believe. I don't know if you knew right. that. That's I read really the good. book. I didn't remember yeah. that. But yeah. It was, yeah. it, it stuck. The good stuff sticks. Mm-hmm. If you could spend one month anywhere in the world, where would it be? And why? Oh, Tanzania. I'm planning on Tanzania. going there. Tanzania. I'm potentially going there this, this winter. Yeah. I want to do another, another book. Uh, uh, essentially that would involve like Hatsa people and tribesmen and the way that people have been living for again, millennia or 6,000 years, many of your belief system, be able to, to have the opportunity to, to do some video and create some content and, and create a, a storyline of their experience, the way that they live in their daily lives and integrate that into, you know, a, a Western model. So Tanzania is, is what, what comes to mind presently. Just a light read. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Just easy breezy. Yeah. Um, all right, so we'll do a, a lightning round as we wrap up. Um, first thing that comes to mind to you is, what would your friends say is one of your superpowers? Oh, I'm a goofy bitch. I'm, I'm, I'd say probably, yeah, I'm, I'm, I almost no matter the scenario, the darker it gets, typically I have this strange sw- sw- switch that goes into how this this shit is just so silly. It's great. It's really great. It's really, it's really, really great. And it probably comes in very, very handy. Um, what keeps you up at night? It varies, man. Whatever the, the stresses of the day are. I don't think I have a consistent like, oh, I have, you know, okay. goblins, reoccurring dream or something like that. It really depends. Uh, cell phone. Cell phone is such a terrible thing to have oh, around right. your, your house tonight. So, you know, I could go like my immediate mind goes into like emotional whatever, but the, the reality is what keeps me up at night, not having enough. So much more granular brick and mortar, like the, the, the physical parts that keep me up at night, uh, light pollution, terrible. Your eyes, the way that you, you process the way that your physiology determines what it should be producing is based off of the frequency of light that penetrates your eyeballs. Your super chiasmatic nucleus is is an unnecessary term for the organ that it's passing through. It's that optic chiasm. Yeah. That, yeah, exactly. And so, and so when you are being exposed to blue light, blue light's great, immensely valuable. And we've kind of villainized blue light. Blue light's very important. You just want it during the day and morning time. 
but after that sun goes down and your body is getting set up to start to go into rest and digest and repair and you know producing melatonin and putting yourself into that oh the the, the other side of the coin your coin is flipping over you know and so when you go into that position and then you get blasted by your cell phone your computer lights tv all of that um, that's problematic and then there's also the the emotional tie that I slash we have to notifications, emails, all of that. So our dopamine levels, all you know, your 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 norepinephrine, all the the, the cortisol, the stuff that kind of gets you like, woo, alert, I'm here. When you're hitting those notification buttons, um, you're you're getting yourself ready to hunt. And so that's a that can be problematic for me as well, is having weakness around boundaries with technology. Yeah, that that dopamine hit every time you get that. It really is an that notification really is an alarm. And oh, yeah. uh, to to your point with the uh, you know Huberman, we talked about uh, I think off air a little bit. You know the eyeballs are your brain, right? They're the external part of your brain, and the moment that that light hits your eyeballs, you know, sixteen hours later, you start going to you know, you start dumping the melatonin in. So when you got that light pollution that you're talking about, that screws all of that stuff up. It's not, use candles, use salt lamps, like back to the, back to the lube, the lube talk. Like you, <laughs> it's, it's more, it's more romantic, man. Like yeah. woo yourself, you know, yeah. treat, treat, your, treat yourself like you're in a relationship with yourself. If you were hanging out with a person you cared about, you know, as like an intimate partner, hopefully you're intimate with yourself, you know, where you like, you really love yourself. You really treat yourself. Like, like, I think that that's, that's something that's, that's very neglected. Again, more like from a, a masculine perspective, it sounds very kind of fruit, fruitcakey to talk about things like that. But I think it's actually very powerful just to change that relationship and like be tender to you, you know? And so if you were hanging out with that person and it's 10 o'clock, you probably wouldn't have you'd be blasting yourself with a bunch of bright lights and just be obsessing over your cell phone. And, you know, you, you'd probably be a little bit more intentional with the way that you shared time with that person. And so why not kind of take that same intentionality that it's easy for us to carry on to another person and bring that into our relationship with ourselves? I love that. Um, what book have you reread the most? Man, I hate that this is the book that I've reread the most, but probably Way of the Superior Man by David Data. Yeah, it's great. You read that one? Yeah, I've read it probably three or four times. I got it from, uh, I did uh, A Date with Destiny and he had David Data at the event. Oh, cool. Yeah, Yeah. I think that that's like, it's kind of like a little bit, feels a little bit basic. You know, I wish I could say something like the Bhagavad Gita or something, you know, whatever. (laughs) Um, But I'm pretty sure, yeah, I think that that's the one that I've, I've, Recurrently now at this point, I'm good. Like I think, like I recently, I, I recently reread it, and I'm like, okay, I get. You know, you can kind of you get a general synopsis of the way a person thinks, and then you once once you can change. Which this is this is an issue with our education system. We're we're learning information as opposed to how to think, and so I think that that that's what I'm really interested. In. I'll 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 go through these tendencies of obsessing over certain people that I find you know people that I want to to. Uh, start to integrate some of like the, their way into my life. And that's ultimately what I'm looking for is what's the operating system that they perceive the world through. And once I can, I can gather enough information from that person, then I can kind of take their lens 
and put that on any scenario and say, ah, okay. Like what's, you know, with Tony Robbins, like, okay, what's Tony's, what's Tony's thoughts on this? Okay. Because I understand the mechanism of how he thinks I can kind of shift that over. And so with data, I think I kind of got to the point after reading the book, like four or five times that I'm like, okay, most scenarios, I kind of get the, the way the pyramid angle. I see. That's really good. That's really, really good. Okay. So two questions uh, left. Last question. Uh, the second to last question is what is your guilty pleasure? Nut butter, ap- <laughs> apples, bananas, and uh, butter, butter. So I just, so, I'll eat a whole so stick do you like, of butter. Do, do you like, do you like butter? I ate the shit out of some butter, bro. <laughs> <laughs> All right, final question. What one what one question would you like to ask me? We'll change it up a little bit. I don't know. I'm a narcissist. So what 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 what, 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 what why did you reach out to me? <laughs> why the hell you I don't know. <laughs> why did you re- what 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 was it about me that caused you to reach out? I'm a millennial, man. Let's keep it, let's keep it focused. Holy shit. That is so funny. That is so funny. Listen, listen, I'm a narcissist. This whole thing is this whole thing revolves around my orbit. So I'm going to take it back to me. What is it that you think about me? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's my question. So based Uh, off of our conversation. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. What uh, the reason why I reached out is um, I think kind of kind of for what you said in the beginning, we've got a lot of similar friends, you know. Okay. So Austin, I don't, I don't. I don't like this question. I want another question. Okay. So going, going. Uh, let me, I'll answer it and then, and then I'll give you another opportunity. All right. All right so all right. the reason why I did was because like, like you mentioned with Austin, which I think you did a great job of explaining that it's about the people that are there. Right. So the people that are in Austin that you're friends with and Christine and, you know, uh, Jan and, and uh, all, all those people, oh. you're, in that world and I'm in that world, but we've never had a chance to meet. So for me, it's a great opportunity to connect with somebody that's sort of like on the periphery of my tribe, but never for whatever the reason was just never had a chance to meet. So I just thought that this is a perfect way, not not to mention the fact that um, I'm reading your book, taking your course, getting a lot of value. And I know people will uh, get value as well. That's the cool thing with the podcast is, is it's, like anything, like I, I try to position most of my activities or things that I invest myself into. What's the long-term game of that, you know, or gain of that? You know, so I am into, you know, different forms of dance. I'm into doing acro yoga. I'm into mm. doing, you know, activities that, you know, I got a gun, you know, to like practice practice tactical shooting. I got a bow wow. to, to to go, you know, do archery and things of the sort. The reason that I do all of those things are vehicles to to create more depth with community. So the podcast is a similar thing where it opens up the potential to create these, what would have been these kind of like disparate gaps of like, oh, like, why would you and I hang out for an hour? It's like, I don't know. Maybe we go surf or something. We got mutual friends. Like, do you want to get coffee? Not really. Mm-hmm. But with this, it's like, oh, perfect. Why are we going to do this? Oh, we're going to record a conversation. It's for something else. But, perfect. You know, I think the conversation is kind of like the exhaust and the actual meaning and value is the connection. 
All right, we're gonna we're gonna leave we're gonna we're gonna leave this with with the with the with the lube, the, the lube on the nightstand and the narcissism at the ends. And I will say that this was um, way better than uh, than I imagined it was gonna be. Uh, you you put a big smile on my face. You taught me a lot of information. What else do I need? I mean, you gave me you gave me everything I need. Do you have any final words, suggestions, or an ask for the people that are listening? I think something that's interesting is, so I did a conversation with a good buddy called Justin Wren, and he's, uh, he has this foundation called Fight for the Forgotten, he's a UFC fighter, and he's just this really brilliant human being. In our conversation, we were, we were talking about how um, he, he's done, he just recently did Rogan's podcast, he's done Rogan's podcast like nine times, so he's wow. re- just recently on there, and we were talking about his, his recent suicide attempt like a year ago, and he's a person that has the whole world at his fingertips. You know, he's like, he's the king. And he, in everything that he has, was in a place where he wanted to end it all. And you would never would have realized that, you know, because you think he's got the world by the balls. Like, he's like, I want to be him, you know. And so the reflection that I had with having that conversation on my podcast with him was you just don't know what people are going through. You know, and so every moment can be an opportunity to take care of your own self, your self-care, you know, relax your eyes, relax your hips, do all the things that I break down in the line method and all that. But also every moment potentially is an opportunity to save somebody's life. And not that you need to have some kind of savior complex about it, just smiling, you know, just like having a kind gesture, you know, asking somebody how they're feeling and like actually giving a shit. Yeah. Uh, you know, because it literally might be the difference between that person going back to their house and swallowing a whole whole tube of pills or going back to their house and, you know, whatever, whatever else. So that was a kind of the thing that was highlighting for me was just like, you know, be kind for everyone. It's fighting a great battle inside or whatever that, whatever that, 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 that quote is. Do you know that quote I'm talking about? I, I, I know I know what you're talking about, but this this is so much of a de- this is so much deeper than that because you never realize the thing that you may say or do that is going to affect the lives of somebody tomorrow. And it might and, not be tomorrow; it might be two years from now. Like like you're casting, you're you're sowing seeds right now. Yeah, like this moment. Just and it's the same with the physical conversation. How you do anything is how you do everything. If you bring greater intentionality into the manner in which you inhabit your body, that you're sowing seeds for fifty years, you're sowing seeds for thirty years. Same concept of ha- of just being nice to your waiter. You know that waiter might be the person that's you know driving by while you're you know you need your life saved, and they come back and they're like, "Oh, dude, you're the guy that was really sweet." Like, I got you. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm going to let your ass die in the side yeah, of the road. Yeah, I, I got a place to be. I got a date. Yeah. I got a date. I don't got time for this shit. I got a, you know. You should have left I got the tip. These, I got these new you pants. You should have left the tip. Yeah. <laughs> so I think Aaron, that, thank, I think that'll thank be, you for that'll this. be a big thing. Yeah. Thank you for this. This was uh, absolutely uh, wonderful. I appreciate it. And we will link up everything in the show notes so they can get their hands on uh, on your Align Method, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah, and then the the, uh, the podcast. But since they obviously listen to podcasts, they could jump over and um, I think maybe the Bruce Lipton episode is a good a good starting point that I like. Uh, Bruce Lipton, heard, okay, yeah, have you ever heard of biology belief? Oh yes, I read the book. I forgot the author's name. Wonderful he's, book. He's great. I had the I had the honor of getting to uh, 
to go up to his place recently and he gave me a jar of weed grown by Bruce Lipton. He's the person that like changed my whole perspective on the world when I was like 15 years old. Whoa. So it was a very interesting, like full circle moment to be up and like good old Bruce is like giving me a, a jar of jar of his homegrown. It was a great experience. That's really cool. I'll listen, I'll, I'll listen, I'll listen to it today and we'll uh, we'll do a direct link to uh, the Bruce episode. Awesome, man. Thank you so much, man. What a great time. I enjoyed Thank getting you, to know buddy. you. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening. If you love this episode and you know someone that needs some help in either stepping up their work hard game or their play hard game, it would mean the world to me if you shared this podcast with them to help me get this movement out there. So if you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes, take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and I will be forever grateful. So until the next episode, excuses are over. It's time to live. Oh,